Welcome to the Who's on the Move SC podcast. I am your host, Alan Cooper. The purpose of these podcasts is to shine a light on people making an impact in our local communities. We interview leaders of nonprofits, entrepreneurs, and also artists. Today's interview is with visual artist Susan Klein. Susan is an associate professor of art at the College of Charleston. She has exhibited her work both nationally and internationally. And in the fall of 2020, Susan was one of 100 individual artist grant recipients handpicked by the esteemed Pollock Krasner Foundation. The Pollock Krasner Foundation is a leader in providing financial resources to both emerging and established international visual artists, allowing them to focus on creating new work. This series on artists is sponsored by the South Carolina Arts Commission. Susan, tell us about when you first thought you would like to be an artist. I always wanted to be an artist. My mom has this book I made in kindergarten that says, when I grow up, I want to be an artist. So uh, I don't think I had any other choice. When I was growing up, I was pretty serious about dance. I took ballet and contemporary dance, and I also took theater lessons, and I wrote stories, so I was always doing creative things. Why did you decide to pursue an arts education? I think I second-guessed that choice a lot. So in high school, I thought, well, I could go to law school, um, or maybe I want to be a physical therapist. I could work with the dancers and athletes, but I think the drive to create was really strong. I ended up going to NYU. I started there for two years and I loved being an art major there. I loved the art program, but again, I second guessed it. For a while, I thought I should major in environmental science and do something to help the world because I thought, well, being an artist isn't really helping anyone and you were in this environmental crisis and you know, I could maybe do something to, to help society. But the thought of seeing the other art students carry, you know, go to their, the art building every day and not doing that, it just made my stomach sink. And so I just, I stuck with it. I think, I think I just knew that I wouldn't be happy doing anything else, so. It is amazing, this, this kind of second guessing. Why painting? So you, you've talked a lot about different influences. Um, how did you gravitate towards painting and, and, and sculpture and kind of the visual arts? For dance, if you're not so amazingly good, by the time you're 14, you're not gonna be a professional. So there's this commitment you have to make from a very young age. You really have to be amazing. I was good at dance, but I knew I wasn't good enough to be a professional. I was thinking about being a choreographer. I always liked you know, doing that, but I thought, um, I thought visual arts, you know, on the other side, I was always academic. I really liked reading. I liked doing research. I liked libraries. And I thought visual arts was, especially painting and sculpture, it's this great marriage of very physical making. So your body is really important and there's a lot of physicality to it. And then also this intellectual process of research and coming up with ideas and learning the history and thinking through things. So I think it just combines this physical movement with 
kind of an abstract thought process that seemed good. I also thought art making is something I can do until I die. You know, I could be 95 and in a wheelchair and I could still be making something with clay or I could still be drawing. And it seemed like, you know, dance has an expiration point, so. Let's talk about maybe the transition a little bit to, to teaching this art form. You, you are uh, an educator. Uh, when did you decide to become a professor and teach this also? And how maybe you combine that with um, staying kind of relevant and having studio space and being, you know, being an artist? You, you have, you're, you're doing uh, two things at the same time. How do you juggle that? When I was an undergraduate, I knew I wanted to make art and I knew I wanted to do it until I was dead. But I was kind of figuring out, well, how, how can I support this art practice? I did intern for a graphic designer one summer and hated it. I don't like computers. I don't like staring at a computer screen or sitting at a desk. You know, I hated it. And I thought, well, my professors, you know, they have a pretty good life. They have their studio practice and then teaching is really active. They're not sitting at a computer. They're moving around the classroom. They're, it's really hands-on, always changing. And uh, I liked that. And so I thought, okay, I wanna do that. But that is easier said than done. There's not a lot of jobs in academia and a lot of colleges hire part-time or adjunct professors and they pay very poorly and you don't get benefits and it's a real struggle. So I did that for after grad school, I did that for about five years. I was an adjunct professor. I taught at three different colleges out in Oregon, in Portland. I was teaching all the time and the most I ever made was 30,000 a year, you know, and that was at, teaching at three different schools, teaching six days a week. It was pretty intense. And then and then I got a visiting professor job in Michigan, and then I got this job in Charleston, which I'm tenured. So that was, so it was a long path, but um, the studio practice and the teaching, they're really complimentary. So to help my students the most, I need to know what's going on. I need to know what's going on all over the world. I need to know how the arts are changing. I need to know how different artists are using technology. And, and I need to know a lot more than just the Western European canon of white male artists. So teaching really keeps me, it keeps me on my toes because I'm responsible for more than just myself. And so I like it for that. And then, you know, the studio practices always going to be there so but the teaching helps my studio practice so I get grants from the college and and I get some research money and all of those things and the studio so I get a lot of support from the college that's really great so it's it's pretty complimentary I do you're right I have two jobs I do work a lot but you know I, I kind of put that in front of other things in my life so luckily I'm an introvert, so I don't really like doing a lot of social stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, I like it. Is there a main message that you try to impart to your students? Have you kind of focused in on a one or two sentences that, that are really important for you to impart, you know, a, to your students that you've worked with over the years? I think there are two words that come up a lot. The first one's failure. And the second is patience. 
failure, it's almost gotten worse generationally. So I've been teaching for, I don't know, 16 years. The students are so concerned with perfection. And I think maybe it's because they're constantly posting things on Instagram and, but they're so, they're so concerned with the grade and with perfection and they're so hard on themselves. And I think for creative expression, you really have to be okay with failure. And so learning to be okay with that process and learning to be okay with making bad work or work that you don't like or getting rid of your, your idea of perfection. We talk about that a lot and then patience. So there's also sometimes a frustration with beginning students. They wanna be good immediately. And I think it takes years and years and years to make good work and have something to say and sort of find your voice. And so the idea of patience and giving things time, it's not this immediate gratification Let's talk about the um, 2021, maybe what's important for you this year. And I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Pollock Kasner grant and, uh, but kind of what is it? Why is it important to you? What do you kind of intend to do with this, with this grant to um, improve your art form? The Pollock Krasner grant was started by Jackson Pollock's widow, Lee Krasner. And Lee Krasner was an amazing artist. I actually like her work better than Jackson Pollock. She was in that group of abstract expressionists. She basically took care of Jackson Pollock, supported him. She was kind of in the art world before he was. She introduced him to a lot of people. After his death, she was able to focus on her work more. And so her best work, I think, comes in the latter part of her life. Anyway, so she established the, the Paula Krasner Foundation to give grants to mid-career artists to help them at pivotal points in, in their life. So to get a Paula Krasner, you need to have usually at least 10 solo shows and a lot of exhibitions and have been working for a while. So it's not for uh, super young artists. It's been on my radar for a long time. And finally, I turned, I turned 40 last year. I'm 41 now, but I turned 40 last year and I thought, okay, I'm old enough. You know, I can apply. I'm, I'm mid career, you know, I could apply for this. I didn't expect to get it. It was a huge shock and really amazing. I cried when I got that email and I have spent the money that I got and Good. um and i bought a kiln a big beautiful kiln so i would i'm able to have that for my ceramic process i also built a home studio the studio at school i paint in but i needed a place that i could have a ceramic studio so i bought a lot of equipment for that and i bought supplies um i bought some photo equipment uh, it's just been really helpful with getting all of that set up and I've already started making some larger scale ceramic work and I'm able to work a lot more because that's in my house so it's been huge you know it's kind of a life-changing grant <laughs> so. congratulations thank you Here's one question I ask everybody and it, it may be somewhat related to your answer about your your intention as a as a teacher, but 
how would you describe your intention as an artist? I think my intention as an artist is to connect with other people somehow. One of my favorite writers is Virginia Woolf. One thing that I think is a thread through her work is this kind of disconnect between our interior lives and our thoughts. And then we express our thoughts with language. And then that language is interpreted by the receiver of it. So who, the person we're talking to. So there's, you know, our, our consciousness is like the first step and then our thoughts and then our speaking and then the reception of those words. So there's like all these steps along the way where things can get uh, misinterpreted or mistranslated. And, and I think um, that's always resonated with me in, in her work and that kind of ultimate alienation we might feel from others because of this sort of path for so, so much possibility of misinterpretation. And so I think with a visual language, it's like a chance to communicate or express something that maybe has less chance to get perverted with language, I'll say. Yeah. Um, so that, that might be at the core of it. I've always had trouble with language and I think, yeah, there's some core there of wanting to connect with other people and uh, connect with something larger than ourselves. I'm not really interested in identity or work that's focused on identity. I'm kind of interested in connecting to some sort of larger human consciousness. Tell us a little about what is new and exciting in 2021. One thing that I'm doing in South Carolina that I'm really excited about is I am co-director of an artist-run space called Tiger Strikes Asteroid. And this is Greenville-based. And it's made up of, I think we have 10 artists and curator members now in South Carolina. And we also have two members that are in Asheville, North Carolina. And Tiger Strikes Asteroid is part of a national network of artist-run spaces that are, it's New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and Greenville. So we're really excited to, we've been doing some pop-up shows at various spaces in the South, and we are gonna be opening up a space in Greenville, South Carolina, that will be committed to showing contemporary art and showing a lot of contemporary art that's happening in the South. So we're, we're excited about that. Where can people find information about that, that Greenville? Is it, is a physical location in Greenville? Uh, not yet, but we will have a physical location. So right now we're doing different projects. So there's been some, we've had, we've done some shows at the Center for Creative Arts in Greenville at Redux Contemporary Art in Charleston. Um, we've done some outdoor, we had a project this summer called Yard Work, which was a three city exhibition in Asheville, Greenville and Charleston, where we had artwork on people's lawns that people could see. So that was kind of a COVID social distancing exhibition. And tigerstrikesasteroid.com is the website 
and then you can click on Greenville and it'll have all of the Greenville information. And then the Instagram is, oh gosh, I'm gonna, it's TSA underscore GVL is the in Instagram.